Welcome to Internet Marketing for Humans, digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business. Hello, welcome back to Internet Marketing for Humans. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Laws, and I have another guest here today. I have with me Matt O'Brien from Unscrambled. Matt, rather than me kind of have a guess at the best way to explain who you are and what you do, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, uh, as Andrew said, my name's Matt. I work for a company called Unscrambled. I say I work for it. I run a company called Unscrambled. I've actually worked in internet marketing, predominantly paid search, for nearly 20 years now, which is slightly worrying. So almost before paid search was even a thing. Pretty much before Google came to the UK, um, which has been lovely because it means that I've been able to learn everything that happens and changes with Google one by one rather than when you start now. You have a thousand different things to learn immediately. Um, Unscrambled, we kind of pitch ourselves as the paid search specialists. We just do paid search. If you have a question about it, the answer is generally yes, we can help. Excellent. That's kind of quite a crucial thing because, as you say, the number of products related to Google Ads... um, well, I'm just going to, just for clarity, I may accidentally slip and call them AdWords because it was AdWords until recently, which I think is a good example of how how often they kind of change the product. But, you know, at the moment, I and mean, we were just talking kind of off air before we started about even just this morning, something has changed with Google Ads that, that's going to have a significant impact on on the way a lot of people, especially with online stores, use it. But we won't, we won't dwell too much on that just now. Um, Matt has put together quite a nice list of considerations or things you should know or warning signs or ringing bells or how would you best describe it we've got here? Notes. Notes. Okay, Matt has some <laughs> notes. Uh, we have six key things though that this is this should be particularly interesting um, whether you're already running Google Ads, um, if you're considering using Google Ads to drive business. In fact, I think it's going to be interesting, even if you've already engaged a agency who's running your Google Ad campaigns for you. I really like this awkward question thing, and I'll, I'll bring it up kind of periodically over the next kind of few months. You know, it's, there's no harm in asking your providers awkward questions, um, unless it's unscrambled because they're completely untouchable and perfect. <laughs> If only. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so what do we have? What's point number one, Matt? First thing is uh, have your house in order before you start. Um, and I guess by that, paid search is amazing and brilliant in many different ways, but fundamentally it essentially acts like someone driving people to your shop. Mm. If your shop is no good, you'll spend a lot of money on paid search, getting a lot of people to have a look at things that they don't want to buy. Um, It's likely that within paid search, you're going to be featuring your adverts next to your competitors. Um, So it's it's a shop window, uh, and people will do their research, decide what they're looking for, decide what they want to buy, and probably look for two or three different potential providers. Um, If you went to three websites, one of them was great, one of them was terrible, one of them was in the middle. If everything was priced the same, every chance you might go for the great one rather than the terrible one. Um, Okay, so to to that end, is is, um, Google Ads appropriate for new businesses? I'm just thinking in terms of... Somebody's listening who started a new business, has a new website. I mean, a lot of the people we work with, for example, are quite established businesses. They've gone through the initial kind of painful teething thing of having, you know, perhaps a member of the public point out grammar mistakes on their website, all that kind of basic stuff that, that can be difficult to spot. 
It's it's not inappropriate for new websites, and it can work, shall I say, for bad websites. Mm. It will just work better yeah. for good ones. Uh, if you've got a clear proposition, you know what you're trying to achieve, then it will work better. Um, it's not a magic wand. You can't just do AdWords and then tick, business will succeed. Mm. You've, you've got to do your business really, really well and then drive people to your website if that's your goal and, and look after them really, really well. It's it's part of the mix rather than the, the magic wand. Yeah, much the same way we, we discuss SEO with clients. It's not a sticking plaster and it's not a big red button that you press and have money pour in. It's, it's one part of a jigsaw puzzle, a really important one and can be an incredibly profitable one. But if you don't have the rest of the business ready to go, or at least optimised, when I say optimised a business, you know, if, if you haven't at least got people buying from you already, you're, you're potentially going to have a more expensive time with Google Ads. Is that fair? Possibly. And we've, we've worked with a number of clients over the years who've literally launched their businesses and started off just driving traffic through Google Ads. Mm. And it works. Um, one client we work with has recently redeveloped their website, which looks significantly nicer Mm -hmm. and it makes life a bit easier with google ads because fewer people bounce when they get to the site they'll look at more pages the way that the information is presented now the information hasn't fundamentally changed Mm -hmm. it's just showed to them in a more user-friendly manner so they're more likely to consume it they're more likely to spend time on the site and fundamentally they're more likely to get in touch or buy something and if the propensity to buy increases it means that you can either pay the same for your traffic and your cost per sale goes down or pay Mm -hmm. more for your traffic get more traffic and get more sales for the same cost okay okay that makes sense um i've just realized if if somebody's listening to this and they're not familiar with google ads we ought to kind of quickly explain what the hell it is we're talking about um shall I, i do you want to run with this one um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that everyone who's listening to this is familiar with Google. Um, I think I think the, the, the Google bit's probably covered off okay, but where, 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 would, where, would, where would people see Google ads so predominantly? Typically, when you do a search on Google, it will display up to seven adverts. Four of those adverts can be at the top of the page. Um, there's usually a little designation that says add next to it it's tiny so you probably won't see it Um, and then there can be up to three adverts at the bottom of the page as well where your advert features is largely dependent upon how much you're prepared to pay if someone clicks on your ad there are a number of other factors that come into it but you'll probably nod off if we went through all of them. Um, So typically, the more you're prepared to pay, the more attractive your ad is, the more relevant your proposition is to the specific search, the higher up in the page you'll feature. Okay, so I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it a school teacher kind of way. Is the Google search results pages, is that the only place Google ads appear? (sighs) (laughs) No. Sadly not. Um, Google results or Google ads are syndicated across another, a number of other search engines. The challenge comes in naming those other search mm. engines. Um, you've got the likes of Bing and Yahoo, although they're covered off by Bing, which, which has its own syndicated network. The majority of the time, most people use Google for search. We will probably find around about 90% of searches are covered off on Google, a smaller proportion on Bing. 
Google has a partner network on which its ads will feature, um, the quality of which I'm sure Google will tell you is excellent. Um, <laughs> however, we typically see that impression volume can be significantly higher, so the number of times your ad is shown, click rates or the propensity for someone to click on your ad can be significantly lower, and the likelihood of buying can be lower as well, which might indicate that they're not all people genuinely searching for your product. My my issue with this, um, you know, I, I it, sorry. Let me let me get my thoughts straight for a minute. I'm probably not going to edit this out. We'll just keep this real. Um, the audience network that that Matt's talking about. Um, my kind of issue with it is there's something called Google AdSense. So if you've got Google AdWords, that's people paying for adverts. Google AdSense is people profiting from adverts, and there's kind of a big massive swell of people who make a pretty good income from building websites that may not be all that good, but carry Google Ads. I mean, I'm, I'm going to state clearly, this is my opinion, not Matt's. He's, he's not sort of sitting here scowling or anything, but you know, how do you feel, if that's what the audience network is, how do you feel about that? The majority, and I'm going to say majority, although I can't think any that don't, the majority of clients that we work with only run ads on the Google network and not on their syndicated search partners. Google will give us an optimization score, which is a reasonably new air, thing. air quotes going on there. Just um, <laughs> and, and you get extra points for running your ads on the Google syndicated search network, mm-hmm. um, probably because Google has the potential to earn more money rather than you getting better results. It can horribly distort your figures. Um, you might find that for a keyword there are, I don't know, 500 searches on Google, uh, and let's say you get 50 clicks from that 10% click rate and that looks great you might find on the Google ad network you might get 50,000 searches and three clicks Mm, Uh, and suddenly those two numbers being put together it gives you a very different view and you might look at that and going no one's clicking on my ad it sounds to me like a a lot of work for very little little kind of comeback there Google would very much like you to run on their their partner network Um, I will do it for clients if it's the right thing Okay, fair, fair enough. I'm trying not to kind of colour this with my own prejudice too much. Okay, so what do we have as point number two? Decide which searches you want your ads to be shown against. So it's quite a critical point, really. It's almost understanding what you do, um, who you want to sell to, and what your potential customers are likely to be putting into Google. And I guess what your potential customers are likely to be putting into Google, where in they're in the right mind state or need state to be buying from you. Um, almost taking it back a step, Google's wonderful. It's unlike a billboard ad, and I'm not saying billboard ads aren't wonderful, but with a billboard ad or a TV ad, you put your ad out there, it will be shown to a lot of people and you hope that it's relevant to some of them. Mm. With Google, your ad goes to people who are demanding the information. You know something about them by what they've searched. So they might be looking for a holiday cottage or a new car or travel insurance. So you know that they're not only the right audience, they're the right audience at the right time. So yeah, so the intent is a really big thing. Yeah, and a lot of the time we, when we're looking against which particular keywords we want our adverts to show against, the game ultimately is second-guessing the intent of the user and understanding, hoping to understand the intent behind the search. So you can get some very, very high intent words, holiday cottage, to rent, tomorrow. You mm-hmm. know that they're in the buying So they're state. sat there with their wallet in their hand or your credit card Absolutely. ready to go. <laughs> uh, and then you might have something much 
uh, we, I guess we call it spheres of relevancy. Ooh. So you've got this sort of nucleus of very, very relevant terms, and then you move out, and mm. there might be more people that look for it, but it might not be as relevant. Um, a good example, some of the clients we work with in the travel sector, actually sometimes they will advertise against just the country name. Mm. So wow. you don't necessarily know that they're looking for a holiday, but they're doing some kind of research. Could be how do I escape from? Yeah, it, it could be, but but hope, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you've not. done a good job. I've got dark real fast. Um, and and you know, actually, you, you can't be as certain of the intent, but actually, you know what? The people that click on your adverts, well, first of all, you can decide what your advert says. Mm-hmm. So you can say, we're, we're a travel business, we want to send you on holiday to this location, and you hope that people will read your adverts um, and that the right ones will click. Hopefully also, and often, the cost to buy a click from the less relevant terms is a lot cheaper. Yeah. So you might pay, argument's sake, £1 for a highly relevant click, you might pay 10p for a less relevant click. Mm. If one in ten is relevant, you're looking at a pound per relevant click from those 10p clicks. Yep. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Um, Now, yeah, you don't get off that lightly. (laughs) So you've you've kind of got the the thought about understanding someone's intent, and you, you can almost map it out from where they're likely to start their purchase decision. Um, It might be that they're looking for a new car and they're looking at specific models before they start to go down. And often you'll find that people will finish their searches searching for a specific brand name, Mm. um, at which point it's it's kind of difficult to try and change people's minds. Not always, not always impossible, uh, depending upon whether or not there is brand loyalty in that specific industry. Mm. Um, And they can move through this path of research um, through to their sort of final purchase decision but then within Google you get to decide which ads which ads which keywords which searches you want your ads to show against Um, and there are lots of different ways that you can match adverts to searches now within Google you've got keywords and that's keywords matched to searches and then your ads are shown but your keywords you can have different match types Sorry. <laughs> That's um, right, with you. Three fundamental match types. Exact match being you type in holiday cottage, someone searches for holiday cottage, your keyword exactly matches to your search term tick. Phrase match, you type in have holiday cottage, someone searches for holiday cottage in June. Mm. Because it's those words in that order, it matches to it. You can have broad match where you might have holiday cottage, but someone searches for cottage holiday. Mm. It could match to it because it's got those words in. That's kind of a a slightly basic way of describing it because it has got more complicated with synonyms and Google deciding to expand how they match keywords to searches. That, for me, personally, I'm not massively keen on. I understand why Google have done it, because it means that they can match more searches to keywords. Mm. And if they can do that, there's the potential for them to increase their yields. So we've got an example of that, because obviously outside of this conversation, I've known Matt for a long time, we've we've had some fairly kind of wacky examples of what Google thinks people are searching for and the ads they're going to show them. I just can't think of any right now. <laughs> no, I am. I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I'm actually struggling off the top of my head. Although we have had some examples. Ah, fencing. That, it, that might be more that it's a vague keyword. <laughs> but if somebody was searching for um, protective gear for fencing, 
then there's a chance that without very carefully modifying your broad match, they could be shown adverts for large pieces of wood that go around your garden. Yeah. Is that that's a slightly odd one, I know, but... Um, well, it's not a bad example, actually. Um, so we were doing some research for holiday cottages for people with electric cars. Hmm. So often we'll start out by typing that in and seeing which adverts come up. Um, we've got loads of adverts for electric car manufacturers. Yeah. Um, and that clearly wasn't what we wanted from mm. our search, but because they had possibly been a little bit too wide with which searches they wanted their keywords to match to, I, I got bombarded. I could buy a Nissan Leaf, is it, or a Renault Zoe, or something yeah. like that, but actually I want a holiday cottage. And that's what I've specified in my search. Mm. Uh, and they didn't quite get the intent right. So had I have clicked on one, um, then it could have cost them money. Now, I'd love to say that people read the adverts thoroughly before clicking on them, but many, many, many moons ago, uh, I worked with a client budget car rental. Um, and it was talking about budget car rental. They advertised against their own brand name, budget. Um, once, uh, I want to say it was probably in the autumn, it might have been in the spring. Um, it was probably Gordon Brown at the time. Ah, I think I see where this is Made headed. some financial announcements. <laughs> and despite the advert saying budget car rental, that afternoon a lot of people clicked on the advert. Yep. It cost the client uh, a significant amount of money. Ouch. Um, and then every year after then, they turned their ads off on that day. <laughs> Very wise. But people weren't looking for it, but they weren't click, uh, reading the adverts quite as thoroughly as perhaps you'd like them to. Ah, disappointing. Kind of buck up your ideas, humanity. Come on, you can do it. All right, so what, what are we on to next? Um, so a lot of what Google does, as I, I touched on their, their optimization score that they now give you. Google will make a lot of recommendations to advertisers. Um, and Wait, so, where do those where do those recommendations come from? Are we talking phone calls or emails or just just things within the the platform? You know, so when someone's in Google Ads, probably from my perspective, we will we will see the recommendations within the actual Google Ads platform. Okay. It will say, "Do this, do this, do this." Mm -hmm. However, if you are running your own AdWords campaign, if you get on the radar of Google, you might get an email from them saying, "Can we arrange a time for a chat?" Yeah. Or if you have a, a representative at Google, they'll, they'll tell you the things that, as an agency, you should be doing as well, or that they would like you to be doing. Um, I think fundamentally, Google's business is selling clicks, mm. and I've not met a client yet who makes money by buying clicks. Yeah, They make money by selling to the people that have visited their website. and. That, that's where kind of the agency or the, the AdWords expert comes in because they can translate those clicks into money for the client. Um, I think one thing we've often found is that because, and this probably isn't entirely true, but no one at Google has actually ever run a Google campaign for a client. Ah, see, th th this is this is the crucial thing. Um, kind of, for full disclosure, I do. I, this is a common conversation with Matt and I, but I was really hoping it was going to come up in this recording. But yeah, they, they they've not run Google. They've they've not used it in anger, so to speak. They've mm. been given the this is how it works, but they've not necessarily ever had to 
deliver sales for a client using Google. It's kind of like a, a surgeon kind of you know reading books about surgery is one thing, but having having it <laughs> being elbows deep in in, a, in someone is God the one awful analogy, but you yeah. kind of see where I'm going with it. <laughs> Uh, and so how they see things is slightly different sometimes. Mm. That's um, a nicer way of putting it. And it's very interesting. So probably one of the first things Google will try and tell you to do if you're tracking conversions, you can let Google manage how much you pay for a click to try and deliver your conversions at the right cost, which mm-hmm. in theory sounds brilliant. In practice, very often you can fall into horrible gaps of statistical viability where you've got clearly a computer that's far more intelligent than I can ever be, but it's got to decide how much to pay for a click based upon 25 conversions across a 30-day period. Mm. And, And a lot of the time, certainly for the clients we work with who may have high value but low volume conversions, Judgment can be really, really important. Yeah. Um, and computers don't have judgment. They have rules, mm. as they should. Um, but it can be really tricky. It, it's harder for the machine to look at what I'd almost call some of the soft metrics. A good example being uh, one of the clients we work with had seen fewer conversions than usual for one of their brands. And we looked at it very thoroughly. We could see that our bounce rate, which is the number of people leaving the site, not having visited a second page, was very low. Mm-hmm. Time on site was very high, but no one was inquiring. Um, and, and we had the conversation in the office. Is there something wrong? Or is it just that two people haven't made the right decision? Mm. Uh, and we can say, okay, well, actually, you know what? We think that everything else looks good apart from people not getting in touch or people not buying. We think we should leave it alone. Okay. But a computer can't do that mm. because it says it hasn't got the sale, therefore it's got to change something. And I guess the the intent kind of or the, what we keep talking about conversions, it's important to know that conversion isn't necessarily just a sale. You know, if, you, if you're selling something on a website where someone can click something and have something delivered to their home or, or buy a info product or whatever that's only one type of conversion i mean i have clients and a conversion is a lead it's someone filling in a contact form yeah. and yeah i think that uh, almost google sets the rules of the game um and ideally it would like you to let it manage everything for it but i think if you can understand the rules then you can understand how to play the game and you can understand how to make google work for you as well as for them, mm. um, you're never going to make it work just for you because you've still got to pay them money. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yes, that's the way it goes. Um, but ultimately, it's and I guess that's again, I'm uh, probably doing a bit of a sales job for the the middleman. But someone whose day job it is to run Google understands or should understand the nuances of how to make Google work for the business rather than for Google, how to buy the right clicks from the right people at the right time, rather than just to fundamentally trust the machine always and blindly. Um, The machine has got to be cleverer, but it's, I think, important to understand the limitations. Yeah, it's... it's Kind of anyone listening to this in 200 years' time, that'd be weird for a start. But anyway, at the moment, fundamentally, there is no AI that I'm aware of, and there are companies who are trying to to create kind of artificial intelligence and learning processes for for managing um, not just Google Ads, but kind of a a lot of marketing functions, but I'm yet to see anything that has the ability to kind of go go on experience, kind of the inkling, the magical kind of mystery ingredient that, that all humans have of having things pop into your head 
at usually you know, inopportune moments that make you put two and two together and come up with 37, but 37's right. Yeah. You know? uh, one of the, I'll smile and say, best settings we've seen on Google, you, you can give it the objective of spend my budget. <laughs> and and it will spend your oh, budget. I'm sure it will. And yeah. we, we worked with a client, we took over the management of their account and they, they'd given Google £800 a day and set the objective to Google to spend my budget. And, and it did. Mm. And having looked through all of the activity, we, we saw that one of their clicks cost £150. <gasps> right. And that click was for the search term Bentley Servicing. Right. And they didn't do Bentley Servicing. Wow. Because they hadn't got their keywords quite right, hadn't mm -hmm. got their match types quite right, and had let Google deal with it. So that was £150 gone. And it was probably, I think, when we looked at their activity, around about a third of what they were spending was on what we'd call irrelevant search terms. They had no opportunity to sell to those people because it was just wrong. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, what have we got next? Um, don't spend too much too quickly. Um, ah. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and, and I wish I didn't, but I have a, I'd always rather turn bids up than turn them down. It's easier to do positive things than negative things. It's, oh, it's yeah. nice to be able to grow and develop accounts, but I guess it's understanding how to and when to turn things up. So Google will tell you how much money you can spend for a specific set of keywords. That's how much you can spend, not how much you have to spend. Or how much you should spend. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll look at it for clients. And certainly when we talk to new clients, we'll say, okay, well, you could spend £10,000 and there'll be a sharp intake of breath. And we'll say, no, that's a good thing. That's the opportunity. It's not what you have to do. You can mm. start much smaller. You can start at a much more targeted level. And then when you actually understand what works, you can start to turn it up. And you can turn it up positively based upon good data rather than, Crikey, I've spent £10,000 this month. I've got five sales. I know where I got my five sales from, but that's nine and a half grand wasted. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. So you, you can start small and grow it that way. Sometimes you'll find that there will be what we'd call minimum efficiencies. Um, argument's sake, let's say you're prepared to pay £100 for each inquiry. If you're spending £25 a day, best will in the world, you're hoping to get one inquiry every four days. You almost move to the realms of the difference between success and failure can be luck. It, it okay. can be getting the click from the right person mm -hmm. rather than any degree of viability, getting the clicks from most of the people and, and understanding how well it should convert. You might get lucky three times in a row and then not for three weeks. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I often kind of think with Google Ads that, yeah, you can just chuck buckets of money at mm. it and you will get results. But if you could get 10 times the results for the same bucket of money, then surely that's exciting, isn't it? That's it the thrilling is. bit. It is. And I think historically, you've almost got two sides to Google Ads, actually. You've got, should we say, the big spenders, and then you've got the small spenders. But there are a lot more small spenders. And, and Google doesn't release any information about how many people spend £50 a month versus how many people spend 10000 a month and, and what proportion of their overall revenue comes from what. Um, but the big spenders should should be doing it well. They don't always. Um, but almost you've got to almost think about it. There's, if, if everyone was wasting 5% of their budget, that's an enormous income yeah. for Google. Absolutely. For crap, if I'm allowed to say that word. Oh, we didn't go stronger than that, if you like. <laughs> uh, 
And, and it would be good to, you, you'll always have your adverts matching to things that aren't relevant, but hopefully you can pick it up and stop it happening in the future. But if you start big, mm. you'll, you'll probably waste big to begin with. Okay, that, that's, that's quite a nice way of summing up that whole point, actually. If you start big, you could well waste big. Um, and, and it reminds me, I spoke to, this was many moons ago, we were talking to a large travel business about doing auditing, and it was the marketing director, and he said, I've stopped looking, because every time I look, I find that we've wasted 20 grand. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> okay, what have we got next? Uh, trying to be all things to all people. Um, and I think by that, what we're trying to say is know what you want to achieve. Um, have your specific keywords and campaigns designed to achieve an objective. So it probably starts off with looking at what your business does. What do I want my website to do? Which comes back to the very first point we were talking about. And what keywords do I want to drive that are going to get people there? Um, and then you can work it through to say, okay, well, actually, if I want to achieve this, which search terms do I want to have? Um, and having that specific objective in mind means that actually you can then start to say, have I achieved it? Yeah. I can measure it. Um, and paid search is wonderful because you, in theory, can measure everything. There's that very, very famous advertising quote. I think it was attributed to Lord Lever Hume, which I probably pronounced wrong, where he said, half of my advertising budget is wasted, I just don't know which half. <laughs> and, and Google allows you, in theory, to track everything. Um, but, and it's, it's quite a big but, you've moved from sort of almost having no measurement or little measurement to, I'd liken it to the... Iraq dossier on weapons of mass destruction where they handed in 10,000 pages to the UN. Mm. You, you knew something was in there, but you didn't really know where. So you've yeah. gone from no measurement to being able to measure every single click. And it's really easy to, horrible phrase, but analysis paralysis. You could spend all of your time looking at all of your data and never actually do anything. Oh, um, absolutely. Um, in kind of another episode, we are talking to James Kindred from um, Fork about how overwhelming analytics is and yeah. he described it as a fire hose of data which I quite like that that's quite quite a nice way of looking at it it is and uh, trying to uh, I'm, I'm fairly simple and I like to simplify things and have things logical mm. but uh, yeah on a basic principle saying our website wants to do this one thing which keywords are going to do this one thing how much can we afford to achieve that one thing mm. What's our propensity from someone clicking? How much can we play for a click? And then you can start to move out from there. In, in my experience, and, and you know, I'll be quite transparent, that this, some of this experience is working kind of in conjunction with Matt. I've, we've, we've found kind of several times that the things learned from Google Ads campaigns reflect quite, quite positively or, or, or can help us learn things about the business that we didn't know before we ran mm. Google Ads. So it's kind of that thing, like yeah, it, Google Ads may be viewed as by a lot of people as primarily a way of driving people to your website, but with a bit of intelligence and a kind of a sideways glance and a little bit of thought, it can it can do a lot more than that. Absolutely, I'm it's, glad you agreed. Then, <laughs> well, it can. It's it's fascinating because it's that you you get the fire hose of data as you've said, but actually you get to see what people actually type in. Hmm if you want to look and unfortunately you don't need a license to use the internet so people will look for really strange things mm. they'll either spell it badly or they'll think that no one's watching 
Well, it, actually, this, this, is, this is one of the other things I really like about Google Ads. Anyone listening who's familiar with Google Analytics, one of the things we, um, one of the reports, one of the sections of analytics that especially in SEO we're obsessed with is seeing what people were searching for when they found your website. Mm. And the amount of data available in analytics has been nosediving for years. I mean, anyone who's looked, you go to acquisition and, and you know, click on the right report, and the biggest result there will be not set. Because yeah. Google knows they just, that's not the avenue that, you know, it's not the, the platform they want to use to tell you what's actually going on. They don't earn money from that. They don't. But with Google Ads, they kind of have to tell you, well, they absolutely have to tell you what people are searching for when they find you. Yeah, you would hope. And I'm, I'm not necessarily, <laughs> any sort of, any of my, yeah. my industry industry peers listening to this will be probably screaming at, at something. I'm not aligning SEO search with, with paid search at all, but I'm talking about it in terms of learning more about how your mm. potential audience is motivated. Mm. It, can, it, it gives you that window into what people are looking for and when. Something we'll often see, so we look at all of our campaigns every day and then we'll go, crikey, what happened there? Mm. And often, if, if you've had a crikey, what happened there moment, I'll look back at the TV schedule. Oh, really? Um, That's... And more often than not, actually, a good example, and I didn't pick up on it beforehand, we saw that there was a huge spike in demand for people searching for Namibia. Right. Normally it's of an evening. We, we looked back. It was a Saturday morning. We're like, what's happened? What's happened? What's happened? Namibia, Saturday morning. This isn't a wildlife documentary. We do the tentative sort of Google News search of what's gone wrong in the world. Rugby World Cup, as it oh, turned right. out. right. Okay. So a lot of people started to look for Namibia. As soon as a country gets featured, oh, holidays. Holidays yeah. in Namibia. Um, and so, yeah, we, we saw a demand for that um, recently. I was going to say on the BBC they, they had a story around Saudi Arabia becoming more tourist friendly. Clearly that story has propagated around the world. Mm. Uh, one of our clients sells holidays in that direction and they've seen significant increase in demand, not just from the UK but globally. So you've got these, I guess we've always termed as real world events that mm. can impact people's behaviour and you can start to see that through paid search very quickly. Well, Absolutely. Well, it's potentially a really good way of catching these things and I don't like to use the E word of exploiting, but in marketing, yeah, we are exploiting things for, for our, our clients' profit. So I, I kind of like that that would be a fairly fast way of reacting to things yeah. like that. It's been, it's been very interesting. And again, a number of clients we work with, we kind of slightly hold our head in our hands. You'll see that there'll be another Attenborough documentary on a specific place that they right. go to. And in the very short term, it can trigger what we'd term as curiosity demand. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. What's a holiday like there? How much? No. Yeah. But before you know it, you, you've probably had a few hundred clicks of people going, how much? No. So, so just, just, a, just as a quick aside... If, if you generate that kind of curiosity mm -hmm. traffic, mm -hmm. what, what, okay, I'm going to ask the teacher yeah. thing, I know the answer, but is there anything that you can do to keep your, your clients' brands in front of people who start with a curiosity search but may well end up being it's, a sale? Uh, it's an interesting question. It comes down to, I'm going to bring it back to the spheres of relevancy. So I'm trying to think of a good example probably five or six years ago, Madagascar was quite popular. Then we've had Galapagos, mm -hmm. that's been quite popular. We've had Cauldron of Life, 
um, and I want to say there was another one as well which escapes me at the moment but you might find that people search for Galapagos yeah. first off and then they might go oh Galapagos holiday and then they might realise actually most Galapagos holidays are cruise based because they're a series of islands yeah, quite a long way off Ecuador and so they might look for Galapagos cruise mm. um, and by potentially having your advert showing against these different spheres of relevancy or as people move in and become more relevant with their searches you can capitalise upon it equally again sometimes you can see that there'd be a big spike in demand while, while that TV programme mm. is airing the next day there'll probably be elevated demand as well but it'll be slightly more consistent. See, this is I'm kind of in danger of this sounding like my love letter to Google Ads, but one of the things I really like, that just kind of almost outside of SEO, just kind of yeah. traditional marketing, one of the things we try and figure out is how long the buying decision is or lead time or, or that kind of thing. Mm. But with Google Ads, if you kind of run good cam- campaigns, you can start to say, look, this is roughly how long it takes people mm. to make the decision to commit to something. It's a really, it's a really, really interesting one, um, and I will smile because one of the clients we work with has just relaunched their site. Uh, e-commerce works, I was going to say properly. It worked previously, but not quite as well now. It's always improvement. And we're starting to see because you can look back at the user paths, how many touch points they've had before they get in touch, and. Well, I've, I've seen some people 30, 40 visits before wow. they'll buy. And then some people, Google Analytics tells me, have bought on their first visit. Right. And I know that that's basically, impo- I was going to say impossible, improbable. improbable. If you were particularly silly, you could buy on your first visit, but you might find yourself... Our job would be a lot easier if yeah. everyone bought first visit. <laughs> so, we, again, we always have in our head, actually... How how accurate is Google Analytics? I'm not knocking it because it's it's what we've got. It's free as well, mm. which is great. But if I search for something, uh, a computer at work, I search on my phone somewhere else, an iPad at home, does it accurately link everything always? At what point is there a break in the tracking? Because I know for this specific client, these people haven't bought on their first visit. Yeah. But it's telling me that they have and some of them have come from Google Organic. And if I tried to trace it back, I expect they would have landed on the home page, which would be reasonably indicative that they've probably undertaken a search for the brand. Mm. Um, if they've undertaken a search for the brand and purchased, then they probably, it's not their first visit. But See, hey. this is one of the things that interests me, and it's, it's different for every client. Um, you know, I, I don't work with any two clients in one niche, kind of ever, it's just, just not what anyone in SEO does. But one of the things that fascinates me is how different each audience is and, and being able to learn quite swiftly how, how an audience operates. To give you an example, mm-hmm. I've got a client who we know that all the initial searches are on mobile. Yep. But purchases all come through with acquisition direct because it's a high ticket item. When people, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll sit they'll sit on the bus or <laughs> not, I don't know, anywhere yeah. with their phone idly searching. But if they want to commit and buy, they sit down at a computer. I think mm. a, a nice a nice example of this, which must must affect a lot of industries, is people on the way to work, on the, you know, on their phone, looking at stuff. When they get to work, that's when they buy. So there's, so just to, to reinforce what Matt's saying here, the, the sale recorded on their work computer that looks like they've just come straight in like a rocket mm. and bought doesn't include the, all the journeys to work they've been staring at their phone. That's the thing. I don't think that cross-device tracking is quite up to the standard it needs to be yet. I think over the last 
probably five years, Google have been really talking to people about mobile because they could see the up-and-coming rise in mobile searches. Mm. Everyone's on their iPhones or Androids or whatever else. They're mini computers. You can do everything on them, but people will buy at a higher rate on computers. Yeah. Um, but they'll use their mobiles, but at the moment, you, you don't have to pay as much for a mobile click because there are more of them, they're less likely to buy, so people value them less. Yeah. If they could absolutely crack mobile, that, that's where their fortunes could lie. And I'm, I know they're, they're doing a lot of hard work to I'm get sure people to give them a lot of money. I'm sure they're making some effort there, yeah. Um, but then it's, it's important to do what's right for your client. So if your client can't transact on mobile, if they look at it and just go, we're never going to do it. If mm. you've got a limited budget, and I've not met a client that hasn't got a limited budget, you might be better off focusing on what channels are likely to deliver the best results for you. So you might do less on mobile and more on desktop if mm. you're going to earn more money. Um, but crucially, if, if you're not gathering that data or not looking at yeah. it, this goes back to point number one, your house not, you know, get your house in order first. Mm. You can't you can't measure thin air. Is, have we done six points now? Is Five. That, <gasps> okay. The last one to go, which is, is, is it a big one? Probably take a couple of days. <laughs> okay. Uh, failing to optimize and manage. So uh -huh. we kind of like and paid search. There's two parts to it. You you have to build, let's say, the perfect account, perfect set of campaigns, adverts, keywords, and that that's almost like building your racing car. And all you've got is a racing car, and it's not going anywhere. And the second part is actually managing the account. Um, and that, that's your racing driver as much as anything. Um, probably a terrible analogy, really. But you can change everything in AdWords every day if you wanted to. Um, and you might make the absolute perfect decision, but you might also find that five of your competitors have made the perfect decision as well. Mm. Uh, and suddenly the landscape's changed. And what was the right decision last week is no longer the right decision this week. You might find actually... I don't know, someone's selling the widget that you're selling, they're selling it at 20% less, everyone's buying from them, and no one's buying from you, so you can't afford to pay a pound for a click. Mm. You can now afford to pay 50p because people are less likely to buy, but if you don't check it and change it, you'll end up paying too much and you'll get terrible results. And that's not, it's not down to Google, it's down to the fact that probably you're not on point with your pricing and you're not checking everything and managing your campaign accordingly. Mm. Um, so you've got a huge amount of turning the handle with paid search just to, shall I say, just to stand still as much as anything, just to, yeah, fight level. And, and then you've got to do even more things to try and get that competitive edge. Mm. Work out what's best, work out actually are we converting better this month? Is that because we're slightly cheaper than everyone else? Yeah. Um, and paid search is brilliant, but Again, and I've seen it for a, a number of clients in the past, the difference between success and failure, sometimes it will come to the product being 5% cheaper somewhere else. Yeah. Or, or you'll have it 5% cheaper. This is a paid search campaign in the work can't classic help. thing for anyone who works in internet marketing, whether it's kind of in paid search, um, like, like you, Matt, or kind of predominantly SEO like me. Mm. Ultimately, the product has to be something people want to start with. You can't, you can't polish a turd, you know. It doesn't matter yeah. how much money you chuck at a turd, it's not going to get you... That's sorry, I'm going to stop on that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it goes back to number one again, get your house yeah. in order. If, if you've got a, a commoditized product, if someone can go and compare it, if, you, if you're, I don't know, selling Ford Escorts, probably mm. focuses actually now, I'm showing my age. 
But if you're sitting sort of 10 miles away from three different garages and they've all got this brand new Ford Focus, one of them's 15 grand, one of them's 16 grand, one of them's 14 grand, you're probably going to talk to the 14 grand mm. one first if they're absolutely identical. What, what what two grand's worth of value are you going to get from the, the more expensive oh, garage? It, yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If you've not got a commoditized product, actually, that that's when potentially you might be able to charge a premium. But explaining that is difficult within page search sometimes yeah. and that's where your website's got to work really hard um, so that, that's the fun part but it's yeah within page search you've just got to be checking and changing and understanding everything constantly we often kind of describe it as being a PPC detective you go okay well what's changed uh, PPC is just pay per click yes sorry that's right <laughs> what's changed why has it changed? Do I need to do something? If I do, what do I need to do? And just because something's changed, you don't always need to do something. Mm. Um, and you might find, actually, you know what? Three of your competitors have run out of money. Suddenly... Probably because they're not being optimising their current ad. <laughs> yeah, possibly. And there, there can be all sorts of reasons behind it. Um, sometimes with clients, we'll find it easier to spend money than other times uh, it might be that they say you know what I, I want to spend less or my spend rate is too high mm. and you might decide to pay less for a click but ironically you might actually find that you spend more if you turned your clicks down by 10% if all of your competitors turned them down by 20% you're still sitting pretty at the top mm. um, so you'll get more clicks so it's, it's kind of understanding where you are where the market is how well you perform what you're trying to achieve and then managing everything based around that. And that is just good marketing, testing yeah. and, and being aware. Yes. Okay, great. Um, thank you ever so much for your time today, Matt. It's been absolutely fascinating, as it is kind of each time I, I sit down and talk with you. Um, before we go, how, how can people find you if they want to learn more? Good question. Um, probably our website is as easy. If you Google Unscrambled, you'll find us. Oh, really? Yeah. Good work. Um, I'll <laughs> if post. Our paid search is working properly. Oh, I see. Okay, so I was going to be really impressed that, that from your SEO that you're found for that that common keyword. That was going to be. Really, I was going to be quite blown away by that. Um, I'll also post links to Matt in the podcast description. And so there you go, Matt O'Brien from Unscrambled. There's you. your either your introduction to Google Ads or. He's just terrified the crap out of you. <laughs> you realise where you've been going wrong. But we we kind of we prefer positivity. So thank you very much, Matt. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you.